0: we haven't necessarily changed with the um uh, what how we're doing recruitment but for the way that we obviously are no longer flying people to come meet with us so we we had to have hiring managers interview board members and applicants and candidates become more not only familiar but comfortable with technology and one of the things that we have tried to, at my current organization was to create a lot of resources, specifically free resources to get applicants understanding the process, knowledge about the process, but also comfortable to operate within the process per se.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. Uh, It's awesome when you get to talk with folks that are coming from organisations similar to your past uh, you know jobs if you will so i'm really excited to be chatting today with gustavo about talent acquisition in the international sector for civil servants in international organisations Gustavo is currently leading the talent acquisition function at an international organization located in Vienna. He's been working in talent for a long time, but he comes with a very eclectic background, clinical psychology, public health. So Gustavo, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Doing well, Enrique. Thank you very much. I've been following up what you've been doing and enjoying everything, so it's a pleasure to be here with you today. I appreciate well, they,
1: it. Thank you so much. And, and I want to start by asking you, clinical psychology, public health, talent acquisition, COVID during these past <laughs> two months. So so how how does your background in public health areas inform what you do in talent acquisition, especially when we're going through a public health, uh, you know, emergency or, or you know, a pandemic like we're going through right now,
0: it's a great question. I, I think I would actually go even before public health because my initial background was uh, in clinical psychology, and a lot of what I do is based exactly on looking evidence based ideas and concepts to get the job done right or as right as possible. When it comes to my public health background, I mostly worked with uh, clinical research trials and uh, was a clinical trials manager for a while in initiating in um, psychiatric clinical trials and then I moved on to other types of uh, gynecological cancers and things of that nature. So we haven't necessarily changed with the um, uh, how we're doing recruitment. But for the way that we obviously are no longer flying people to come meet with us, so we we had to have hiring managers interview board members and applicants and candidates become more. Not only familiar but comfortable with technology, and one of the things that we have tried at my current organization was to create a lot of resources, specifically free resources to get applicants. Understand the, understanding the process, knowledge about the process, but also comfortable to operate within the process per se, no matter where whether they come from Kyrgyzstan or Canada, the idea is to have people have a similar level of comfort with the, the way that we operate within talent acquisition and, and those dimensions. Obviously this work also has to go along with the hiring managers and panel members, not all hiring managers are the same, not all panel members are the same. And uh, this is something that we are trying to do, particularly now that it's really important to make sure that we attend to potential implicit and unconscious biases, how we're dealing with people on video pre-screening interviews, how we're dealing with people in video interviews where you actually miss a lot of the nuances of uh, behaviorals, uh, behaviors and and uh, facial expressions yeah. and things of that nature. So it's really important that we attune to that and try and make the process as human as possible. I don't know if I
1: answered your question, but well, you know, you, you you did, and and actually the the last sentence of what you just said, you know, making the process more human. I mean, it of course has to do a lot with attending or or, or taking care of doing the recruitment process that you actually have to do, but at the same time, taking care of the person who is coming to apply for that job. And that person may be going through a lot of personal, uh, you know, circumstances because of COVID or, you know, who knows what. And, 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 And then you add on top of that, you know, how anxious people get when they are applying for a job or when they are interviewing for a job.
0: Yeah, I, I think one, one word or two words that come to mind that are very common nowadays there is in international civil services candidate experience. And I started at, at one of the UN organizations in 2014. Nobody was talking about candidate mm-hmm. experience then. This was something that you saw in private sector, right? Um, and I think over the past um, seven, eight years that I've been in this environment, Uh, You see a lot more focus on it, not only because you want to make the process less robotic and more human, but with the support of other types of um, uh, um, technology, including artificial intelligence. But I mean, I think a lot has to do with how people perceive things being done. And one good example that I have is it's, it's not just about seeing what's out there and try to copy it or trying to sound intelligent because you, you're saying something that's the fad now. But I had a colleague recently who works at a particular organization that barely has um, bandwidth to keep the emails, and he has to be deleting emails quite often from his account. And he was approached by a senior stakeholder saying, why is it that you we don't use artificial intelligence to do the long lists? And the person felt like saying, well, first, we probably should get a better email system so that I don't have to delete seven <laughs> emails per day. And yes. then we can think about artificial intelligence. Yeah. So it's actually understanding where you are in the context of what you have and trying to make changes and adjust with how, however you can do. Yeah. But keeping the process humans is very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great segue to, I, I come from the international public sector as well. And, you know, I work in a... I worked in an international organization and I know the environment in which we work is complex because of, you know, limited resources. We got all these stakeholders that they all sometimes push in very, very different directions, right? I mean, governments and the people mm-hmm. that we're serving, the people who yep. work inside the organization. So, uh, how do you deal with all these challenges, uh, you know, uh, in your work, especially in the talent acquisition? When you bring the concept of candidate experience, and then you bring that to the international organization where maybe that organization is not yet at that point, how do you sell that concept? How do you explain to people that it's important to talk about it and to do something about it?
0: That's a really good question. I think first of all is understanding the not the business side of the candidate experience, but the added value that something positive in the eyes of applicants and potential candidates can benefit the organization. And I remember, for example, uh, I, I really like to keep up with what's going on in the private sector. You know, one time I met the, I think was the head of learning and development from the GAP. And uh, funnily enough, he was wearing GAP outfit fully. <laughs> And uh, he said, you know, we we do everything we can to make sure that throughout the process, applicants for the GAP feel well, because we still want them to buy our jeans and our stuff after they get out of here. And to some extent, it actually helps the, you know, promoting the employer value proposition is a lot to do as well with being truthful about who you are and who you're not. Yeah, And pretend, not pretending to be something you're not to try and attract people. And one of the things that I really tried to do in my current position was actually talk to stakeholders. Listen, we are not the biggest. We are not the most agile. And our benefits and entitlements, while competitive, they don't really match some of those big boys and big girls there.
1: Yeah,
0: What can we do better? Yeah. Maybe a better candidate experience may actually bring more people here. Maybe creating more resources for applicants that other organizations are not so attuned to. Maybe creating a monthly webinar where you can actually tell people what to expect in the process, what kind of questions to expect, or guest speakers, or anything that's new that no other organization is doing. Maybe that's how we can come to the front in providing people with a better exposure to what we do and who we are.
1: I, I, I love that. And... You know, it it's so important. What did you say is so important because, it, you know, y- you may fall for some fads or the trends out there, and maybe some of them truly apply to you. But for some others, you're like, that's not who we are. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we are not, I mean, I know the international public sector because I worked, you know, eight years in one and I know what it is and I know what it is not. So it's fantastic when you are able to say, you know, if you come to work here, this is not like the private sector. Like For example, I I know that innovation in the public sector space is something we talk a lot about, but there are so many layers of approval and all this process, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe the private sector, it takes a week to do something and in the international public sector it takes two months to make something yeah. you know at, at best right to make something happens yeah, happen. yeah. So I, I love the idea of telling your potential candidates uh this is the process to get you hired but this is who we are as an organization so if you end mm-hmm. up working for us this is what you're gonna face so now is the right time for you to decide if we are the right organization for you or not right
0: yeah, it's also explaining, uh, I mean, one of the things that a lot of people talk about is the fact that recruitment for international organizations obviously take a lot longer yes. than for private sector. And one of the things that I said, I used to work from one of the big four professional services in the US. And I remember clearly like getting out of the office and walking through Times Square, giving offers for people that I had interviewed that morning. Yeah, It doesn't get faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of stakeholders sometimes come to you as if, It's HR that's withholding the process. It's HR that's actually the stopgap. Well, we all know very well, and all stakeholders who might be watching here who are not HR people, we all know that most of the stopgaps are in the hiring managers, interview board members, and in the case of international organizations, appointing authorities. And they're the ones who actually make decisions. The role of HR is simply to make recommendations and hopefully recommend two or three people who could be potential for the job and let the deciders decide what they want to decide. So I think that there is this really great pursuit for accountability. Yeah. Which I find very important. Yeah. And I think in our sector, people tend to hide behind protocol. Yeah. And diplomatic behavior. Yeah. And, um, diplomatic behavior works. There is no such a thing as my opinion, fast diplomacy. Things (laughs) have to take their time but at the same time if you just hide behind protocol and diplomacy and bureaucracy and red tape to get things done
1: yeah. you need to know what you're doing you may be losing the good ones right i mean you 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 oh you, for sure yeah for sure yeah i mean the, the the one thing of course is like you said before there is uh an increased you know a radically increased level of accountability for international organization i mean you are it's not money that, you know, you make for profit. It is you're using money that governments are generally giving to that organization mm-hmm. in the form of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their allocations or their grants or their contributions. So you got to make sure that, you know, you're hiring uh, uh, right. And and I know that that may take some time. So Gustavo, as we wrap up our conversation, which has been fantastic and and it's great always to have this, um, uh, you know, this, this sympathetic thinking with somebody who mm-hmm. you know, worked for an international organization and I know uh, what the deal is. Uh, if, if you were to say maybe two, uh, one or two big areas of, of learning and or improvement for people who work in the HR space in international organizations, what, what would those one or two areas, what, what would they be for you?
0: First of all, is not be afraid of embar- or embarrassed to have to do some capacity building yourself. You see a lot of people talking about data analytics, but then you say, oh, do you know how to run stats? Oh, no, I thought hmm. that it wasn't stats. No, it is stats too. It's a lot more than stats, but it's also yeah. stats. So knowing and understanding what you can get by the whole idea of governments and uh, uh, donors actually becoming more... Um, curious about how international organizations doing what, what kind of, what are the benefits we need to be more obviously results based and results driven. How can you be results based and results driven if you cannot account for what you do? Yeah. Right, even if it's not only quantitative, but even qualitatively as well. Yeah. And to some extent, particularly in the in the in the in the case of recruiters, one of the things that I really talk a lot with my team is it's really important that we know how to speak talent acquisition speak, yeah. not to confuse the clients, but to let them know how do you articulate the employer value proposition, how to how do you enhance the candidate experience, how do you potentially decrease bias from interview panel members, how do you use techniques that are reputable and they are evidence-based to ensure that people really understand what's going on. So that's Uh, something that's really important for me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Well, Gustavo, great recommendations. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, It was a great conversation and I know that our community who is in the international public sector or interested in that space will um uh you know will will find this very valuable so thank you so much for for being with us today thank you for, for your time it was a pleasure thank you and thank you everybody stay tuned for the next episode of the hacking nature podcast see you all soon thank you everybody for watching or listening to this podcast i hope you enjoyed the show Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.